Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome back. It is Monday, January 16th, 2023. It is 7 a.m. here in Spotswood, Virginia, and uh, we're going to see how this goes. <laughs> what a week. Uh, let me just say, I so appreciate your patience um, as you have waited on all of this to uh, to come back together. It, it has been a very frustrating week in internet for me. Um, the, the internet went out this past, or not yesterday, but last Sunday, I tried to use another hotspot for internet. It worked Monday. Obviously, it didn't work Tuesday because we got cut off. And uh, I ordered new internet. It finally came on Thursday. But this internet is messed up too, so they're sending me a whole new device, and it should be here tomorrow or Wednesday. So hopefully this works today. I cannot express how frustrating it is to prepare and to wake up early and then to uh, to, to be rolling through and then for things to just go blank and for everything to be over with. But I know it's frustrating for you, too, because we call these things daily devotionals. However, it's been pretty splotchy lately. But thank you for your patience. Thank you for your understanding. And um, hopefully we will not have any more interruptions. So it is good to be back with y'all. I hope that everybody had a good week last week and a, and a good Lord's Day yesterday. We had a wonderful time. Um, thank you everybody from Old Providence that either prepared for or came out and served at Valley Mission. We took some of the youth group last night, um, or I should say yesterday afternoon. And that was a really uplifting experience and um, really good having that time together so thank you so much for that now um, we are rolling through John chapter 18 you know 17 16 15 those are all teaching teaching chapters okay what I mean by that is that there's so much contained there that you can really delve into Jesus's high priestly prayer for instance in chapter 17 we spent a lot of mornings on chapter 17. We, we spent a lot of time on chapters 15. Oh, my kidding. Chapters 14 through 17. But now we are into the narrative section. Narrative is just a fancy name for the story section uh, of Jesus's crucifixion. Right. And let me just be very clear about something. I use the term story, but I don't want to give any misgivings that this is not true. I mean, this is a historical event that is described by an eyewitness. OK, so so don't forget that. Right. People do all sorts of wonky things with the Gospels. Uh, uh, we've talked about this before. Some people try to say that John is a corrective gospel, that it is correcting the, the, the problems with Matthew, Mark and Luke. That could not be further from the truth, y'all. This, this has nothing to do with John correcting anything. For whatever reason, John includes some things, and, and Matthew, Mark, and Luke include other things. I group Matthew, Mark, and Luke together because they are what we call the synoptic gospels, and much, much, much of the same material is contained in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, okay? Obviously, there are variations between those. You know, the very simple way to look at that is Matthew. And when Matthew talks about Jesus's birth, very different than when Luke talks about Jesus's birth. And Mark doesn't spend any time really on Jesus's birth. So all of that to point out that when you're dealing with the Gospels, you're dealing with, again, Matthew, Mark, 
Luke and John, right? They have different viewpoints, the things that they include in their telling, and even the basis for their telling is different. Okay, John, we know, is writing all this. We're going to get to this soon enough, where he says, I'm writing all of this so that you may believe, right? And so his focus is obviously going to be on different things. John's focus is, as we saw the last time we were really together, I'm not even, I'm throwing out Tuesday when we got cut off. Forget about all that. Last time we were together, we witnessed this Keystone Cop kind of thing going on at the beginning of chapter 18 in verses 1 through 9, right? That's when Jesus goes to the garden. For whatever reason, we don't get any of the narrative about Jesus asking his disciples to keep watch with him, and yet they keep falling asleep. We don't get any of the narrative about Jesus praying and asking for the cup to be removed, but not my will, thy will be done like we get in the other gospels. We just don't get that. Instead, we have Jesus going to the garden. And the first thing that John really hits is Judas's betrayal. And then you have these people showing up, right? You have some of the Pharisees, chief priests, some of the temple guards, that kind of thing. They show up. But what you find throughout this narrative, through John's telling, is that Jesus is in control, y'all. Jesus is absolutely positively in charge. You see it here. Right. Remember when at the beginning of John chapter 18, when the guards show up, Jesus says, who are you looking for? They say Jesus of Nazareth. And he says, here I am. Right. And then everybody just falls out because they cannot stand before God, the son. That's the aspect that John brings out later in, in, in this chapter. When Jesus is dealing with Pontius Pilate, same exact thing. Jesus is the one. He doesn't look like he's in charge. Not by human standards. In fact, by human standards, it's, oh, no, and Jesus got arrested, and now he's got to contend with the Romans, and as we're going to see today, he's got to deal with the Jewish priests, all these different things. Jesus is in trouble now, but does Jesus act like he's in trouble? Keep that in mind as we roll through this. Now, we're going to pick up this morning in verse 10, but before we do anything, let's pray. Our Father, please be with us now. Help us to understand your word. Help us to appreciate your word. Help us to see who Jesus is in this time. And the fact that as he was arrested, as he faced such horrible, horrible circumstances, he did so with boldness. And he did so out of love. Love for people like me who don't deserve it. People like everybody that's gathered here. None of us deserve it, but help us see his great love. Help us see his power and help us to glorify him. And we pray it in Christ's name. Amen. All right. So John chapter 18, verse 10 is where we're picking up. This is after all that business where the temple guards fell out, all that sort of stuff, right? Verse 10, then Simon Peter, who had a sword, drew it and struck the high priest servant, cutting off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus, okay? Pause right there for just a second. I should have led up to this a little bit. This is when it says then, this is right after the temple guards have identified Jesus, okay? The soldiers have identified Jesus. They know who he is. They're about to take him into custody. Just prior to this, Jesus said, all right, well, you have me. You're looking for me. You've got me. Let these others go. 
right? And then the others that he's alluding to are his disciples. And we know that Jesus did this to fulfill the prophecy that he would not lose any that the Father had given him. You know, they themselves, the disciples, would have been an attractive prize. But he says, you got me, turn the rest loose. And they do. However, before they do, as I let off with on Tuesday before we got cut off, this is a moment when Peter actually does something. Now, I say that, and I'm not trying to be mean or ugly towards Peter, but realize that most of the time, Peter talks. Oh, he talks a lot. You know, Peter's always the one that comes forward first. Peter and Thomas every once in a while gets in there, but Peter is always the one. Mark chapter 8, Jesus, who do people say I am? Well, all the disciples say, well, some say prophets, you know, this, that, the other. Jesus says, but what about you? Who do you say I am? Peter is the one that says, you are the Christ. They're very bold. But then Peter's also the one that rebukes Jesus for suggesting uh, that, that he's going to have to go and die and be lifted up, and then he's going to rise again. Peter would have none of it. So Jesus ends up rebuking Peter in Mark chapter 8 and says, get behind me, Satan. You have in mind not the things of God, but instead the things of men. Right? Is that what's going on with Peter here? I don't know, y'all. All I know from the text is that Peter steps forward and there's this guy named Malchus. Now, this is where we got cut off the last time. Malchus, not Malfrus. I'm a Malfrus. This is Malchus, but I will give you a link. You know, John includes some details um, that other writers of the Gospels don't include. It, it's really an eyewitness account, but this can be lost on us. Let me ask you, have you ever had an ear injury? Um, I've started shaving my head. This would have been back in 2006. Yeah, 2006, I started shaving my head when I was a youth pastor on a beach retreat. I had a full head of hair. I really did. I have pictures to prove it. But I started shaving my head then, and I continue to shave my head to this day. I knew what was coming, y'all. I wasn't going to do, you know, the, the, the cul-de-sac thing here where I'm bald here and have hair there. But... Nevertheless, um, not long after I started shaving my head, the hardest part in shaving your head is to get around your ears because your hair does grow close to your ears. And I had a, a, an actual razor, right? You know, like a, a Gillette razor. I don't know what brand it was, but you got to pull your ear down. Now, when you pull your ear down, it's taut right here and you got to get in really close. Well, let me tell you, one time I cut myself just on the top of my ear. All right. And the amount of blood that that produced, whoo, I seriously, I was like, maybe I am Malchus because I'd be looking down. I remember looking down at the sink and just there was water running and it, it just nasty. Right. I mean, it bled a lot. If you've ever had a head injury, if you see somebody, especially kids, right, the way that, that the Lord has designed the human body to work, we bleed a lot from our heads, right? It has to do with cushioning and all this different stuff. But nevertheless, a tiny nick on your head can produce a massive amount of blood. With the ear, even more so, I'm telling you. And it is nigh on impossible to get it to stop bleeding. I remember I had a t-shirt close by, not exactly, the, it was a clean t-shirt, but bandage would have been better. But I just had to hold that t-shirt on my ear and it bled and bled and bled. Now, that was just a tiny razor cut. 
Peter cut this guy's ear off altogether, just sliced it off. What we cannot hear from our text is the screams of the man that it happened to, because this little tiny cut was very painful, right? But we can't hear the screams. We cannot see the massive amount of blood that would have would have been produced here. Also, interestingly enough, the other writers of the Gospels talk about how Jesus healed the man, pick the ear back, uh, pick the ear up, put it back on. John doesn't include that here. Don't know why. It's John's choice not to include that, and that is perfectly fine. But we know from other sources that that's what Jesus did. The reason I'm spending so much time on this, y'all is to try to help you see the scene that is taking place. You know, in the midst of the cacophony, there's only one person who is really calm in all of this. And it's the one person that's being arrested and knows he's about to be tortured, knows he's about to be savage, knows he's about to die. And yet, what is Jesus doing? Verse 11. Jesus commanded Peter, put your sword away. And this is where John brings up the notion of the cup, right? Jesus answered, commanded Peter, put your sword away. Shall I not drink the cup the Father has given me? What cup is Jesus talking about here? Again, not only is Jesus the only one that's calm, right? Remember when, when they asked, when he said, who are you looking for? They said, Jesus of Nazareth. He said, I am he. Everybody falls out, right? Nobody can stand. All of this craziness is going on. Not only is Jesus calm enough, we know from the other writers, to heal this man, Malchus, whose ear was cut off. Jesus is bringing up the entire situation from kind of the 10,000-foot view, what is this cup? Now, this is the cup that was referenced by the other writers in the gospel when they include Jesus's prayer in Gethsemane. Now, when Jesus prayed, and we won't turn there, but I, I'd encourage you, you to look, look at the end of the other gospels. You see Jesus praying in Gethsemane, and the stress that he is facing is so great, he's sweating these great drops. Some say it's droplets like blood. Some say it's drops of blood. It's really not terribly important. The point is to show the agony that Jesus was facing. And Jesus made the request, Father, can the cup not pass from me? And then Jesus recognized yet again who he is and what he's there to do. Jesus was on a mission. And that mission was to save his people from his sins or from their sins, excuse me, and to take their sins upon himself. With all of these things in mind, as Jesus is going through these things, he confronts Peter here yet again. We don't know exactly why Peter did what he did. Maybe Jesus is alluding to what was in Peter's heart here. When he asked, shall I not drink the cup the Father has given me? The cup is the cup of God's wrath. God's wrath, the justice coming to you and me. That's the cup that was prepared. And in order to save us from our sins, Jesus would have to drink all of it. You know, I'll never make the mistake of, of turning God into this, you know, benevolent grandfather type 
figure that would never do anything to anybody and, and is always just forgiving and is always merciful and all you know, he is always forgiving and he is always merciful but realize the substance of his forgiveness realize the means of his mercy it's not that justice isn't served you know the reason that god is forgiving to you and to me the reason that we glory in the mercy of god is not that god said oh well sin doesn't matter no the reason we bask in the mercy of god is that god is merciful because justice has already been served we experience the mercy of god not because he declared that our sins didn't matter anymore and he pretends like they're not there we enjoy the mercy of god because jesus paid for our sin jesus took the wages of sin that he didn't earn the wages of sin which are death that you and i earned were all placed in the cup that jesus drank so don't you turn god's forgiveness and mercy into this cheap thing that everybody gets it and nobody could ever go to hell or anything like that not true do not look at what jesus did for you and belittle it so you know, there's lots of issues that are out there with mainline churches, with, with pastors out there, but this is perhaps the worst. This idea of universalism that they teach, that everybody goes to heaven and, and sin doesn't really matter. To say that sin doesn't really matter says that what Jesus faced wasn't really important. Or what's worse, if sin doesn't matter, y'all, what does that say about God who would allow a son to go through this? Don't you think if there was any other way for us to be saved than for Jesus to face these things, that, that, that God would have said, okay, do that instead of me sending my one and only son? The answer is, of course he would. Don't turn sin into this minor thing. Jesus had to die to pay for it, and he suffered to pay for it. And with that, we see the end of this scene. What we get next is commentary, really. It says, then the detachment, this is John 18, 12, it says, then the detachment of soldiers with its commander and the Jewish officials arrested Jesus. Um, they bound him and brought him first to Annas, who was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, the high priest that year. Caiaphas was the one who had advised the Jews that it would be good if one man died for the people. Well, this is to show lots of different things, I think. I think it's to show the debacle that was Jewish politics. They take him not to the high priest. They take him to the high priest's father-in-law. One of the reasons is that they were planning an illegal trial. We know that. Um, also, you have this ultra-political thing going on here where, verse 14, Caiaphas was the one who had advised the Jews that it would be good if one man died for the people. What is he talking about here, y'all? Well, he's talking about good old-fashioned Potomac two-step. We need to stop calling it the Potomac two-step. We need to start calling it the Jerusalem waltz, right? Because if you want to see the origin of true politics, don't look to Washington, D.C. Look to Jerusalem, okay? It's this concept of the Jewish people being embroiled, being riled up. And, and what do you see from the chief priest? They're just playing politics here. 
don't don't mistake me they hate jesus they despise who he is and what he has called out but fascinatingly enough you see that their hatred of him does not exceed their politics that's why originally like we talked about a week ago today um, this is the one time that you see the sadducees and the pharisees actually linking up together right they hated each other because the Pharisees were, were really the people's party. The Sadducees were the ruling class, but were the lapdogs of the Roman Empire. They, the, the, the Sadducees really would have been seen as liberals by the, by the Pharisees because they denied things like the supernatural. And Jesus is bringing people together, y'all, but in the worst way possible. He's bringing these people together because they equally hate him. But they're still playing their game. And it's in the midst of this that we see Jesus's trial start, but not before we have to deal with Peter yet again. Now, what we will pick up with tomorrow is verse 15 with Peter's denial, right? I think it's verse 15. Yes, verse 15. Um, Peter's first denial, actually. And then we'll see Peter's second and third denial a little bit later, but I'm getting ahead of myself. For the sake of today, see who Jesus is, recognize what Jesus did, and know that throughout all of this, Jesus never stopped being God the Son. He submitted to the will of the Father. He took the cup willingly, but at no time did he lack the power, should he have chosen to take it, to snap his fingers and consume the whole cosmos. And yet, he kept on going, and he did it for you. I think that's a pretty good thought to start out the week. Let's pray. Our Father, please give us hearts filled with gratitude for your Son and our Savior's sacrifice. Help us to see, both from what we have read today and as we continue going along through this narrative, that Jesus is in control. Let us take heart in these things, and I pray it all in Christ's name. Amen. Well, I'd like to thank you all for being a part of this time. Lord willing, we will be back together tomorrow morning at 7. I see Alice. Thank you very much. It's great to be back. And then there's Rose and Christine and Becky. Good morning. And Orashaba. I hope that I have pronounced that correctly. Happy New Year to you as well. And Nate, my man, you know what's up. Yeah, no cul-de-sacs here. Some might call it the horseshoe right if i did that i could grow the skullet you know what a skullet is a mullet you know is the thing a skullet is when you don't have anything here but you still grow the the long hair back there anyway um i see terry good morning and oh we are praying for dale today y'all remember to pray for for dale as he goes through dialysis and um thank you kim and that all righty y'all thank you so much for being here lord willing we'll see you tomorrow morning at seven until then have a good monday